Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Joining us in the classroom today is a coach who is the uh, California Coaches Association president. He is a high school and middle school principal. And I guess, Coach Four, you describe yourself as a has-been coach. So not quite sure what all that means, but uh, joining us today is Chris Four. So welcome, and we are super excited you're in the classroom with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on with you. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, we've I've dealt with eight laces a long time ago. Uh, I know Coach Torrey's dove into eight laces, uh, and the stuff that you bring to coaches, uh, a lot of that uh, helps coaches with – jobs with special teams with offense with defense so very thankful uh for you and what you brought to the program uh for the sport of football outstanding yeah no i I love the game uh yeah it has been coach coached uh 17 years out here in southern california and and kind of made that transition over to the dark side of administration and so that's why I, i i put that on there some some twitter you know has some Twitter uh, troll, you know, talked about, hey, you're you're just tweeting this stuff out when I was doing some evaluation of a of a special teams on a Saturday of a college, and so I thought, oh, that's pretty funny. I'll I'll play that. I'll put that in the Twitter profile now. So yeah, I am. I'm just I'm an old has been coach. I'm not coaching anymore. So yeah. Hey, well, we've had other people on our podcast, and uh, the reason football coaches make great administrators is because we make decisions, right? We got 40 seconds to get the right personnel on the field. We got 40 seconds to call the next play to assess the down and distance and the game situation. So, uh, Coach Four, a lot of that is what you deal with in that big corner office. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, honestly, the, the best high school administrators I ever worked for were were from the coaching ranks. I mean, it's it's true. There's I don't care what you say. I mean, there's there's nothing like. <laughs> You know, Friday night lights, thousand people in the stands. And like you said, you've got 20 seconds to decide, do I want to kick a field goal or go for a touchdown? I mean, you got the headset on, you got that feedback, you got fans, you got kids, you got other coaches. You know, you're looking across the aisle at the at the other team, trying to think, look at personnel. I mean, football coaches, I wish more of them would, would get into administration. I don't know about where you guys are at here in Southern California, unfortunately. There's been a been a direction the last maybe 10 years here where a lot of a lot of coaches are not going into administration and in some cases it actually hurts you to have that on your background now you know there a lot of uh, administrators now are being hired out of uh, you know because of their test scores or some new way they're teaching math uh, and then they get in the seat and they don't know how to deal with kids they don't know how to make decisions um, you know great classroom teachers but not good leaders so anyway that's a little tangent yeah, well, the, the head of school, the principal, the athletic director at our school are all former coaches. Nice. And you can definitely tell a difference um, about getting things done versus a business person or a person that has been in the classroom forever to come in. We call it the ivory tower. You know, when they go sit on that ivory tower, that they understand what it means to be washing clothes on a Friday night after a football game to get the bus seating chart ready uh, for a Friday night football game or whatever, or, or basketball. You know, our, our AD is the winningest basketball coach in Mississippi right now. Uh, wow. So, I mean, they all just, in other terms, they, they just get shit done, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. And that's yep, what happens. Yep. Yeah, and, yep. you know, to speak to your point a little bit where people are hiring these days uh, theorists, right? Like you've got this great method of teaching or I've got this great idea, but, the coaching world, it's not built on theory. I hope, I wish more coaches would have a philosophy that they would go back to every once in a while, but we're application-based, right? There is no theory that's going to get you through third and 11. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Well, as, as we get started, uh, and I think a lot of people are going to listen to this, know who you are. So, can you go into, and I've never heard this story, and if I missed it, then I haven't listened to as many podcasts, because you run a podcast as well, uh, The Coach's Locker. But where did Eight Laces come from? 
and what sparked you on like being a resource for coaches in this time? Because I mean, I've when I was a young young coach, I was like, man, eight laces, and I'd see it pop up, and I'd click, and I'd get in, and you'd have all this stuff to help coaches. What drove you to be a influencer and to help coaches uh, in this profession? Uh, getting fired. <laughs> getting fired. No, and uh, that's exactly it. I fell, I fell right backwards into this thing, you know, at consulting and, and helping coaches and writing books. Uh, I was in a, the private Christian sector of education out here in Southern California for a decade. And uh, in my 10th year, I, had, I was athletic director and head football coach at a private school. And we had a guy in my, in my fifth year at this. So I spent five years at one school, went over to another school. Uh, I was there five years. I made that move because I really wanted to be an athletic director. The athletic director I worked for my first five years in education, he was married to the superintendent. So he, he wasn't going anywhere. And I kind of got to the, the, you know, in my career where I really, really wanted to be an AD. So I had to make a choice. Do I stay at the school and just teach and coach or a place I loved uh, was the head football coach or do I, you know, do I leave to pursue being an AD? And I decided to pursue an AD job and leave. And so I went over to a new school uh, in the fifth year there, a brand new superintendent came in and, you know, here in California, the private sector, a lot of times, not always, a lot of times they're going to bring their own team in with them. Uh, or at least hire their own guy. And that's what happened to me in 2011. Uh, uh, we got a, I got a call to come over to the superintendent's office Friday afternoon, three o'clock. I'd scheduled a week long vacation that next week with spring break. And he said, uh, we're not gonna be you know, offering you a contract for next year. And so it, it was a very, uh, our, our athletic department set a, a school record there at that time. They'd never won as many, uh, league championships as we did that year. I don't think they've won that many since then. Uh, football won a league championship. But at the end of the day, uh, he had told me to get rid of a coach. I told him uh, I, I didn't agree with getting rid of that coach. Uh, and that ended up souring our relationship, basically. Uh, and that was the first day he was on the job. And had one parent complaint about a coach uh, before he even started there. And brought me in and said, we need to move this coach out. And how do you feel about that? And I said, there's, I've been supervising this guy for four years. There's, there's no reason to move him out at all. Long story, but at the end of the day, I got that parent and that coach together in my office. At the end of uh, 90 minutes, they're hugging each other. Parents apologize and leaving. But, but that still kind of soured our relationship. And, mm. and uh, so, yeah, I, I was out looking for a new job there at the age of 35 for the first time in my life. Put, had to put together a resume. For the first time in my life, kind of had to market myself, and uh, I, I had an idea. This was in 2011. You know, at that time, nobody had like a personal website. I don't think many folks did, where they were, you know, branding themselves on there. I've kind of just always been an outside the box thinker, a little bit of a entrepreneur mindset. Um, and so I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna create an online, you know, website where I'll have just I'm gonna bill out 10 pages. One of my players at the time, he uh, he was in, you know, he's kids these days. He was a website whiz. Uh, I went to him. I said, hey, I want to build these 10 pages. You know, I drew it on a whiteboard like all coaches do, right? Hey, one page is going to be my practice plan, my, my just daily practice plan idea. One page is going to be my 12-month calendar. One page is going to be just my philosophical statement. One page is going to be a, a, a page of uh, links to letters. You know, here's a letter to parents about – your kid joining the program. Here's a letter to parents about we're removing your son from a program. Here's a letter to our eighth grade parents about, uh, you know, uh, an up. so anyway, I, I had an idea. I'm going to build these uh, 10 uh, pages. Uh, it's, it's on. Build these 10 pages, and I'm going to send this out to principals and ADs, okay? And the reason I want to do this was to help me get a new job, and that was coach4.org. Uh, this kid also told me about Twitter at that time. Hey, you should get on this thing called Twitter. You know, what the heck is that? And he explained it to me again, 2011, a long time ago. And I'm like, all right, I'll get on there, you know? And then I started, uh, so we built that. We built those 10 pages and I would, he taught me how to link them. Hey, you go onto this twitter.com, you link it, you know, and share it. And, and then I just noticed, um, coaches were the coaches I was connecting with 
I think, you know, I have 50 at the time. They, they were liking that stuff. Hey, can you send me more on this? Can you send me more on that? And then I realized I really, I, I, I've always loved writing, going back to junior high school. And I'm like, dang, I've never written too much about football. So I just started writing articles about how I do things. And I was thinking these things are going to help me get a job, right? Um, how, how, do I, how do I remove a kid who's, who's not doing well in the classroom? I'll write an article about the process I use on that. How do I hire a coach? I'll, I'll, I'll explain. I, I kind of pretended, hey, I'm, a, I'm going on an interview. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain how I hire a coach. And so, you know, that's kind of a long story, but that's how I got into it. And as I was tweeting stuff out and writing about football, I realized I loved it. Um, and here we are, 400 articles, you know, three books later and, and uh, a couple of different manuals and all that. And again, guys, I just realized my passion for, for football, my passion for writing, my passion for helping people. I realized that there were, there were coaches out there who liked some of my ideas. There were coaches out there who wanted some of those ideas. Um, and so I said, well, you know, then I started eightlaces.org. Uh, I was honestly, I was just thinking about a name for my business. Um, and at the time I was just going to sell one thing on my football manual. Um, and, uh, I was looking at a football up on a shelf and I'm like, there's eight laces. That's kind of cool. So I just called it eight laces consulting. <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. So I'm like you, I, 2011, I started at Madison Ridgeland Academy where I am now. And we were on a seven on seven trip and the kids were like, coach, you need to get on Twitter. And I was like, what is, what is this stuff? So I'm on my way to a, uh, seven on seven tournament in Nashville. And, uh, we go there and they're like, you need to do this. And I was like, all right. So I'm in a car with like our quarterback and three of our receivers and they're setting me up on Twitter. Well, then we stop and eat, and our, I tell our head coach, like, hey, you need to get on Twitter. He goes, I need to get on what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. now it is the best mode of communication for reaching out to coaches, to sharing, liking, retweeting, whatever, voicing your opinion, uh, and getting information out there. So, you know, I'm like you. I was like, I didn't know what Twitter was, but now Twitter is, I mean, it, it drives a whole bunch of stuff um, for building a coaching community. Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's a great tool. I was at a school um, uh, here, a, a, a charter school. They fielded football for ten years, never sent one kid on to the next level, and they they had some they had some kids, they had some dudes who could go do it. Just nobody with vision there to make that happen. And uh, the first kid to earn a scholarship out of that school was through through Twitter, yep. through me tweeting out his his uh, highlight films and his transcripts and. And, you know, um, sure enough, this coach, you know, who was following me from a, a, uh, a, a college reached out to me, Hey, this, you know, is this, is this for real? Is this kid for real? I'm like, you see his highlights, <laughs> you see his highlights. I, mom and dad gave me permission to put his transcripts out there. You see his transcripts, you see his highlights. I want to be promoting him if he's not good. And, uh, you know, all these years later, he's still out there now. And, and, uh, he's in Kansas, uh, raising his own family now, which is kind of cool to see. And uh, I think he'll be there the rest of his life. He fell in love with the college and, and uh, where he's at. I, I think that's really uh, powerful. And, you know, it's, it almost seems like duh in 2021, right? Uh, it almost seems like why didn't we leverage the power of social media? But you go back a decade, 2011, 2012, I created a Twitter because I took a class to update my teaching license and they made you create it in the class. It was like oh. technology and marketing and things like that. And I remember at the time kind of laughing it off, like, oh, I don't really want this. Uh, I kind of was one of the people that was an early adopter to MySpace. And it's like, oh. ah, I've already been there, done that. But yeah. you know, now as we look to the next decade, it's almost like Instagram has really taken over. Like Twitter's for old people like us and uh, it's easy for us to connect. But when I want to send a message to my kids, it's always through Instagram. So I think that's really important too. If you're a coach out there and you've got some social media for your, for your program, or you haven't done much with it, you can tell in 2021 who actually invests a lot of time into making their program marketable and who hasn't. So I think that's really valuable advice. Absolutely. Yeah. And you, and you got to know the trends, you know, in, in 2011, there weren't a lot of Twitter started with adults and worked backwards down to kids. You know, in 2011, when I announced that 
hey, we started this Twitter account for our uh, our athletic department there in that spring. I got up announced at the school. They were all laughing like that's all a bunch of old, that's for old people. You know, I didn't know my audience well enough. Um, it, it's like Facebook started young and went old. Twitter did the exact opposite, you know, and now you got to be on, like you said, Instagram, Snapchat, you know, they're all now it's you got athletic departments getting on TikTok now. Um, you know, for myself, for my own brand, my own business, I've, I've stuck just to Facebook and Twitter because that's where my audience is. You know, I've, I've I haven't gotten into the other ones at this point. Just at some point, there's only so many hours in a day as well, you know. But I, if, if I was a head coach, I would have every one of them, maybe a coach in charge of every one of those different things, you know. Yeah, try to try to use all those different avenues. That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, here's we're talking about building a brand and we're talking about social media. Let's go into 2021. So we're, we're a decade removed from when we all got Twitter accounts. How important is it do you see now that coaches are looked at by administration since you're in admin at having a Twitter account, uh, building their own brand and building their own team's brand? So not only your personal account, how important do you see that as, as a consultant for coaches to, to have them build that brand and why is that brand building so important to them? Yeah, I think you're asking two different things. One, a brand as an individual coach, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, secondly, a brand as a as a program, right? Am I hearing you right, coach? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, that that brand as an individual, as a coach, is is so important these days. Um, just to get your name and who you are out there. You know, one of the guys I think has done a tremendous job of that. Um, I remember DMing with him five or six years ago. It'd probably be hard to get his attention now as coach uh, Brennan Marion, you know, who's at, uh, at Hawaii, um, you know, went from, I think, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can't remember the year I met him, but he was coaching at the high school level, you know, and, um, and, and you look at, has his Twitter presence, is that what has helped him climb the ranks to university of uh, Hawaii? No, no, that's not what's helped him. It's how he coaches. Right. Has that helped him endeared a whole lot of coaches to him personally? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Has that helped his brand, his go-go offense? A hundred percent, you know? 15 years ago, the three of us would have no idea who he is uh, or anything about his offense, you know? Unless ESPN maybe went out and wrote an article on him. But, uh, you know, that's just one example, a first example of a guy that comes to mind who I think has done a really good job in marketing himself kind of has developed a brand new offense that we now can read about. And, and again, a lot of coaches know the go-go offense, associate that with a certain brand, a certain coach. So I think it is so important. Um, there's coaches uh, at the collegiate level. You know, I, I deal with mainly Division three NAI, and then a, a few Division two coaches, um, you know, through my consulting at the college level. Uh, I've done some resume development for division one but less than a handful of football coaches at that level you're not getting jobs off your resume most of the time but when i i do talk to some of these guys even head coach at the division three level a few weeks ago who doesn't have his own personal twitter account um wants to stay away from it for a variety of reasons and i i said i think you're missing the boat here you know he wants to move up to the next level to be a, a coordinator at the division two level is his next stop. And then after that, move up again. You know, that's kind of what he's trying to do, climb that ladder. And, and I think the connections you can make on Twitter with coaches, just those connections alone are, are worth the time and energy. You don't have to put out a whole lot, you know, but just being able to, you guys, you know, DM'd me to come join this podcast today. I mean, that, that goes a lot quicker, a lot easier than email does, you know? And, um, I think that that personal brand that you can develop and make, I mean, if you look just at, I mean, I'm a, I'm a like I said, an all washed up has been coach here in Southern California who never coached it, you know, very high levels of football here in Southern California outside of two years. The rest of it was spent in the small school sector out here, but I've got, you know, college coaches reaching out about our shield punch stuff because I've developed a brand for that special team, something I love doing and I'm very good at, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the brand that I have. And so without Twitter, I wouldn't have been able to develop that kind of a reputation, you know, 
Um, so I think that, that that brand, that personal brand on Twitter is very important. I know now as a principal, um, we found two teachers on social media that I've hired this year, you know, and so that's a pretty neat thing. Just it's, it's another tool to use. And then when I'm doing my background work on guys, because I spend a lot of time and energy, especially our high profile coaches we're going to be hiring. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time and energy looking into those guys online. And, and you can bet I've, I've taken some guys off the list because of some different tweets and stuff that I've seen. So you got to be careful there as well. We saw just yesterday, you know, this news coming out, a guy working at uh, Walmart. So I don't know. Did you guys see that? The guy, the guy running Walmart's account sent out a very politically, uh, a stupid political message on Walmart's Twitter account. He thought he was sending it from his personal account. He just he forgot to switch it, you know, on the phone or whatever. Got Walmart into some trouble just yesterday, you know. So uh, you got to be careful. You got to be really careful. It's, you know, Twitter's like a fire. In the fireplace, it's a good place. It's a safe place. You take that fire out of the fireplace in your home and, you know, you, you, you can wreck some things. So as far as uh, the program management, that's a question I have on my on my interviews, when, when we interview coaches right now, I've started this probably six or seven years ago when I started really understand the value of social media from a program standpoint. We ask, how are you gonna market your programs both on campus and out of campus, off campus, in the community? And when I ask that question, if a coach doesn't talk about social media in his answer, you know, or her answer, that, that's a red flag to me. Is that is that going to keep a person from a job? Absolutely not. Okay, no way is that one answer. But that could lead to it. You know, you get five or six of those red red flags. That that could lead to you not getting that job. But and if if they don't answer with social media in that in that question, um, I know that that's you know that's a weakness. I'm going to have to help them through as, as we bring them on board if that's our choice. Thanks for that. I, I appreciate it. I was just. I know there's our branding, like I run our football account plus my own Twitter account. And now I'm in charge of the whole school's athletic department. So I run our MRA athletics and uh, it's like you said, you got to know, you got to know the times of like the trends of what's going on. Like, what are the kids like? How do the kids like? So I think a big thing also is you'd start looking at your analytics of who's following you, what demographics following you, you know, what percentage male, female, is it more moms, is it more dads? You know, cause we're running Instagram, we're running Facebook and we're running Twitter. So there's a lot of things that we're doing. So uh, that's our new thing for 2021. That's why I asked that question. It's we're building a brand as a school athletic department to cut, to line up with our academic purpose as well. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah, so it's uh, I really appreciate your analogy of fire is great in a fireplace, right? Like that, that's its purpose. That's its intent. We can do a lot of things with it there. Cook, heat, a lot of different things. Like you guys all know what a fireplace is for. Um, and then outside, it's a, it can be a disaster. I guess in your experience as an administrator, as a coach, as a consultant, what's something that would really catch your attention in a positive way? And then what's maybe a post that would uh, be an instant red flag for you? Great question. Great question. I think in a positive way, it's how are, how is this coach using his or her influence or his or her social media channel? How are they using that to benefit their student athletes and not just themselves? Are they all about their brand or are they tweeting out positive information and stories about their student athletes, you know, and their program? Because we've all seen it both ways. You know, you get, you get some coaches that are just dynamite about pushing guys using their influence. Uh, Coach Reg, uh, Marco Regulato, who's out in, uh, I, and I just butchered his name, but out in Texas, who became that famous uh, TikTok coach, you know, mm -hmm. over over quarantine here, and, and his following exploded. And one of the same things you're seeing him do, he's at Eaton High School out in Texas right now, and one of the things Coach uh, Regulato there is doing is promoting his kids, you know, is promoting the heck out of his student athletes that he believes can go on to play at that next level. That's an awesome thing to see. Uh, he's a good man. Um, and he's a good man for doing that, for using his platform to promote his kids. That That's awesome. He's not just promoting himself, you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to look at, you know, I think some of the stories that they're retweeting or so, 
some of the likes, you know, that they have, are, are those, are they promoting positive things on social media? Because kids are going to be following social media and they're going to be following that, that coach who's also maybe a teacher. Uh, parents are going to be following that coach or teacher. So I'm going to look for those positive things. And then I'm going to look, you know, you asked about the negative downside is, uh, saw some stuff yesterday of a coach who I followed, not in our state or anything. Uh, don't know the person at all, but you know, they, they put up some pictures of, of them having some alcoholic beverages with a bunch of other people. And when you see what my mind did, when I saw those pictures, it, it took the pictures totally out of context. And I looked on his bio and he's a teacher. And the first thing I thought was this, this teacher might get in some trouble with his administration because do, do we, do my teachers at my school, do they have the right to go out and have some beers or some wine on the weekend? Absolutely. They do. Is it best to promote the use of alcohol uh, to your students? Probably not. And so those things are, you know, can be a red flag. Um, I think, I got in some hot water years ago. I retweeted uh, Tony Gwynn, who's one of my heroes, San Diego, former San Diego Padre, Hall of Fame baseball player. I grew up watching him. Um, a local San Diego beer company, a San Diego brewery, came out with a beer. Uh, I think it's called, I can't remember, but it's 395 or 392 or something like that, which was his best batting average ever. And uh, that's what the name of the beer is. And somebody tweeted me, hey, check out this new beer, you know, named after Tony Gwynn. And it's a really cool bottle with the old brown and gold pinstripes of the Padres. And I just retweeted that. Well, my principal came in 15 minutes later and said, hey, you, you should take that alcohol off your page. And I'm like, now this was probably, this was six years ago. I'm like, all I did was retweet it. I'm not drinking it. I'm not saying, hey, go get drunk, go drink this beer. He said, and, and, you know, I appreciate his response. And he said, well, some of your students are going to see you're promoting alcohol just by retweeting that. And I don't know that I totally, I did not agree with him at the time, <laughs> you know, but I did. I, I did what he said. I unretweeted it, you know, and uh, uh, it, it could be seen as a teacher promoting alcohol, you know, just by retweeting a simple, a simple story like that about a new beer being named after you know, a baseball player, people are a lot of times people are going to take things out of context, uh, on social media, and they're going to just find a very negative part of it, especially if they want to find a reason to bring somebody down or to get somebody fired, especially this day and age. I mean, we're seeing that all over the place, you know, right now you have to be so politically correct. So, um, but, you know, I think that I've got a pretty even balance to that when I'm looking at, you know, our potential employees. Um, but I, I think people do have to be careful there in, in, in the pictures or what they are promoting or liking. You know, two years ago, we were looking at hiring some assistant coaches. And I even, you know, even as an assistant principal, hiring, I really believe the head football coach hires his assistants. But before we, you know, sign off on those, I'm going to do a little due diligence there. And, you know, there was a, a younger kid in his early 20s when I looked at his likes. They're all a bunch of pictures of, you know, scantily clad women. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of likes on girls that, you know, you just shouldn't be liking those things in the social media world in 2021. And so, uh, you know, we, we approached him and just said, hey, Thanks for applying, but we're not going to offer you the job right now. And didn't get into why, but, uh, you know, to me, that was just, that's a little bit of a red flag, you know, that, that people can see. Yeah. There's gotta be balance there. Right. Especially yeah. if I have a personal, it's my personal social media, but that doesn't mean that I get to use it exclusively for whatever I want. Um, in my book, more than the game, I talk about how you should laugh, but not like. Uh, so one of my favorite accounts on Twitter is actually Super 70 Sports. Um, yeah. it, it, it like makes my day, some of the things they post. But I don't think he has very many posts that don't have an F-bomb in them. There's yeah. not a lot that I'm liking. I will laugh all day at the things he tweets. 
but I don't like very much. I love how you put that. That's really good. I, I, I love that. I, I love that, uh, that analogy and that, that, that way to think about it. Cause that, that makes a whole lot of sense. Well, coach Four, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Um, some of our listeners I imagine will be listening to this, uh, sometime this spring uh, in the next couple months, as we start to think that way, I know here in Iowa with six inches of snow on the ground and <laughs> seven degree highs, like we're always trying to think of boy, March weather looks a little more interesting than, uh, than January does. Let's talk about building a resume. So we've talked about maybe building a brand as a coach. Uh, now that you're on the other side of the coin here as an administrator, what are some things that educators and coaches can do to really stand out when they're applying for a new job? Number one mistake coaches make on their resume and I think educators as well. The number one mistake they make is just simply regurgitating their job duties and their job titles. And, and when, when you get a resume, you know, I'll, I'll, I talk a lot about it's one of the times I hired a, a basketball coach out here in Southern California. When you hire a head basketball coach, you're going to look at between 75 to 125 resumes. Okay. Basketball just for whatever reason, I don't know, seems to be one of the most popular uh, sports. Okay. When, when in Southern California, as far as applicants now, Football is also going to be up there if you have a like football PE coach combination. Um, a lot of schools don't offer that combination anymore, so you're not going to get. But but anyway, um, when I'm looking at 75 resumes as an athletic director, okay, you've got 45 seconds. They say in the business world that's what they say, and I'd say it's pretty accurate from my experience. You know, you have no more than a minute to get the reader's attention. So, and, and literally that's what I do as an athletic director. I've been athletic director, uh, you know, out here six years. And then the last two years as an athletic administrator, meaning a, assistant principal over athletics. When we hire coaches, I print out every one of those resumes, applications. Some, some people don't do that anymore. They stay all digital. I like having the hard copies in front of me to write notes on and scribble notes. And I make three piles. I make, yes, I'm going to interview this dude. I, I make a no pile. There's no way this gal's getting in an interview room. And then I make a maybe pile, okay? And if we decide we're going to interview, you know, seven people, well, once I'm done and I've sorted out all my resumes into those three piles, if I have 12 in the yes pile, all those maybes are now going into the no pile, right? And now I got to look at those again to minimize them. And so... When, when I'm looking at a resume and all you're doing is regurgitating the job duty of a coach, you're not getting my attention. So a lot of times what we have on there, right? We have head football coach and in the very first bullet point says responsible for the day-to-day -day management and organization of the high school football program. And I use the phrase, no duh, no duh that that's what you did. Or you'll see defensive backs coach responsible for planning and preparing defensive backs for the game of football. I hope you did that. I hope you did that as a defensive backs coach. Their second bullet point will say, took eight to 10 kids through everyday drills to develop defensive backs. Again, you're going no duh, right? So all they're doing is regurgitating their job duties. And that's a mistake people make on their resumes. You're not telling me, the reader, anything about your ability to coach the game of football. You're not telling me anything about your ability to manage that football program if you're the head coach. And so writers, have, writers of resume need to create bullet points. They need to create bullet points to keep the reader reading their resume. And so those bullet points can't just regurgitate what they know. Um, you've got to come up and develop bullet points that will make the reader of the resume say, holy smokes, I got to interview this person. That's really good. But one example that I, I share all the time on this was a coach I was helping. I'll never forget the conversation I had with him on a lunch break, 2015 in my classroom. I said, coach, as we were talking through this, he was a resume client of mine because I help coaches build their resumes. And I said, coach, uh, 
what was the record last year at that school? Or what was your record this year? I said, he said, oh, coach, we're five and five, not very good. I said, well, hold on now. What was the record last year before you took over? He goes, they were 0 and 10. I said, wait a minute. You took them from 0 and 10 to five and five in one year? He said, yes. I said, that's now your first bullet point we're going to write. Okay, and I wrote that note down for him. I said, what were they year before, year before that? What were they? He said, they were 0 and 10. I said, holy smokes. Now that bullet point reads, led the program from an overall record of 0 and 20 to 5 and 5 in my first year. To me, as a person reading that resume, that, that says so much about that coach and his ability to coach. And I said, okay, how about the year before? And he goes, let me stop you, coach. They were 0 and 65, I think it was, 66, something like that. He said, coach, they hadn't won a game in 66 games before I took over, and we went 5 and 5. And I said, dude, that's nowhere on the resume you just sent me. And he says, I've never even thought that way. You know, and so that's what, what we do for our clients. We get them thinking that way. And I, I, I kind of, I, I send them a, uh, a, a tape recorded phone call that walks coaches through kind of how to, how to think like this. Um, and so now on that coach's resume, the very first bullet point is inherited a program that had lost 66 games straight. We went five and five in my first year, you know, that five and five, here's what coaches do along, along these lines. I'd say the second main concept here, coaches use stats in a vacuum on their resume, stats that mean absolutely nothing. If you were to say on that, that bullet point for that coach I'm talking about, led program to a five and five record in my first year, that's going to get you in the no pile in a lot of programs very quickly, right? Because you're using that stat in a vacuum. It means absolutely nothing. There's no comparison or contrast to it. And that's what a lot of coaches do on their resumes. A lot of resumes I see, you know, they'll, they'll say things like that. You know, oh, a lot of guys will brag about, we sent, you know, they'll have a bullet point. I sent four coaches or four uh, linemen to college in, in three years. Well, what if that four, four guys to college in three years, what if that's bad? I mean, if the, the program you're reading might, the, the program you're applying to might look at that and go, that's horse crap. That's not very good. We send 15 kids, you know what I mean? So, now, when you say, oh, but Coach Ford, they hadn't sent one kid to college in five years previous. Well, now you're saying, now that's telling me something, right? The story I shared earlier, you know, the football program I was in in 2012, they hadn't sent a kid to college in 10 years. We sent one in my first year. Well, that's a bullet point you might be able to do something with, right? Um, but if you just say, hey, we sent a student to college, that, that doesn't mean anything. So that's the second big mistake coaches make on the resume is they use those stats in a vacuum. And those stats mean absolutely nothing to admit it, especially nowadays, administrators with no sports background. And so that, that's, a big, that's a big mistake guys make. So I'd say those are, you know, those are two big things. I've talked a long time there. I'm sorry, but those are two big ways coaches can, you know, help their resumes. No. no, I think it's great. That's just something we don't get on a daily basis. Uh, I haven't had to write a resume in eight years. So it's been, a, you know, that gets outdated. So it's just like going back to our Twitter conversation, you know, 10 years ago is a different world than what we're currently living in. Yeah. Uh, plus yeah. as football guys, we, we know our stats, right? Like I know how many yards we averaged on first down. I know how many uh, plays we averaged on a scoring drive. So as sports people, we're statistically minded anyway. Uh, no, absolutely. And then it's just, it's just a matter of taking those stats, right? Taking all that, you know, and creating relevant bullet points to keep them reading. You know, that's, that's what you want. Like I said, you got 45 seconds to a minute to keep them engaged with that, with that. And, you know, there's a school I was at where a few years ago, we, we led the whole state of California in punt returns. Okay, that's pretty cool. That that's a sweet stat. When you're looking at a thousand schools, in California that play football, we led the whole state. If I put on there, if I and this is what coaches do. If I put on there our punt returner, I think it was like 24 and a half yards the average. If I put on there our punt returner averaged 24 and a half yards, that's going to be absolutely nothing to most people. Even to head coaches, that might not head football coaches that might not mean much. Instead, when you when you do some research, when you say our punt returner led this entire state of California punt return yards. 
that's now a stat and a resume bullet point that's going to go, holy, holy smokes, that's pretty cool. You know, and then hopefully they're going to go down the next bullet point. So, and, and coaches just, they don't spend time creating their, their resume that way to keep eyes on it. Coach, the second thing, the third thing, if I may, to help guys listening to this on their resume is a simple formatting. <laughs> so many resumes, I see, I see them every day. They're formatted really poorly where they're just, they're so disjointed people don't want to read them. And when I look at a resume, I mean, it might right now I'm looking for an English teacher. Okay. We had one leave it at the halfway point of the year. And so we're hiring an English teacher. I got some bad English teacher resumes. <laughs> you would think like these people know how to write resumes, right? They're English teachers, but they're just missing the boat on the formatting of it. Right. I don't want to look everywhere for, to make sure you have a credential. I don't want to look and try to figure out what subjects you've taught. Like some, some of the simple formatting issues that coaches have, if they were just to think creatively about how to format your resume so that the words stay on there. That's one of the things I do with my clients is we, our, our resume, our, each job is in a box. And that box is split in two so that on the left hand, so when you look at a Chris four resume, there's a column on the left that has some of those big highlights because again, you only have so much room. And so if you just format your resume in a certain way, you know, a lot of coaches will, they will make bold the school that they work at. Well, that school they work at doesn't need to be bold. What should be bold in all caps is the job title you had there, you know? I don't want to search for that. I don't care necessarily the school you're at or the years that you're at. It's what was your job said? Okay. This guy was a defensive backs coach here. And then he moved up to D coordinator. And then, you know, instead I'm seeing the schools, my, my eyes are drawn to the school first. I want my eyes drawn to the, the title first that you held there. So simple formatting issues like that. Another thing that coaches uh, should work on, and should think uh, creatively about um, how to, you know, a lot of guys are using, they'll write, you know, these bullet points that are four or five lines. People don't want to read sentences and paragraphs on resumes. It, you know, that stuff needs to go on your cover letter. And so bullet points should be no more than one, one line. If you need to work very hard to get there. And that kind of goes into that formatting aspect I, I'm, I'm talking about here. So, um, I can talk about this stuff all day. Yeah. Well, here's, no. here's what I'm thinking real quick. And as you're talking, I go immediately to our, our football players huddle and what a college coach is looking for. They want yep. the wow factor. They want the 45 seconds. They want the eight clips of you doing the most amazing things. And you just yep. said that. Coaches can learn a lot from those kids and those huddle accounts from what those college coaches want with coaches wanting jobs. So for me, it's creating that wow factor. So when you get the resume and you look at it, you're like, wow, he's brought this team to five and five after losing 66 in a row. He's done this. He's so that's, that's where I went to when you were talking about that, the huddle effect of a college coach wanting to see, he don't want to see an eight minute video of a kid's highlights of everything doing. They're going to look at it 45 seconds to a minute, those eight to 10 clips and be done with it. Either you're in the yes, you're in the no, or you're in the maybe. It's a great Man, point. Coach, I've never thought about it like that. I've never thought about it like that. Thank you. That, that, that's it right there. You nailed it. You nailed it. You want it. You want a two minute highlight video, not the eight minute one. Guys, I, I got a resume from a young coach the other day. He's coached four years. His resume is four pages long. He had a, pa I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. He had a page of bullet points for each year. I'm like, dude, nobody is even going to read this resume. They're, they're going to be so overwhelmed. They're not going to even read your resume. Yeah. You know? And I've seen, I've seen a lot of those. I did it. I did it. I did a resume last year for division 10, Sorry, a Division One Big Ten wide receiver coach. The original resume he sent me, I mean, this guy's been a head coach at the collegiate level, a Division Two head coach. 
the resume he sent was like 12, 13 pages. You know, it's just one of those things, again, at that level, I don't think you really get jobs from your resume, but he wanted a resume built and he had no confidence in his resume. Even at that, that big time football level, coaches just don't know how to make the resumes because they're trying to cram so much into it. And, and you, you put it very well. You want that highlight film, you know? So the fact that you coach wide receivers, you don't need to write about how good the defense was. And I see coaches make that mistake, you know? They talk about program highlights, and that's why they're getting, you know, 10, 12 bullet points for one year. And I talk all the time. You should have, you know, maybe two to four bullet points for one year. So if you've been somewhere, you know, six years, you're looking at like 12, 13 bullet points max, you know? Otherwise, you're just, you're not going to, you're not, so those bullet points, you better stinking make every one of them count. And uh, coaches just, they just don't, and it's not the fault of coaches. I don't want coaches listening to this thinking that they're, they're wrong here. It's, uh, I was 35 years old having to make a resume for the first time in my life. I had no idea how to make a coaching resume. And that's how I got into this business of, of helping coaches and consulting coaches because, there's nobody out there really doing this and helping coaches. Hmm. There's a lot of resume writers out there in the business world. Um, there's really nobody that does it, you know, for coaches. So, um, and it's just, it's a very different way to think. Um, I, I did a resume uh, for a division one basketball coach, NCAA division one basketball coach last spring guy played with Michael Jordan uh, in, in, uh, in the pros, spent seven years in the NBA, had no idea how to write a resume. And that, that's not his fault. He's never really needed one until he needs one, right? Until a university president calls him and says, hey, we want to interview you. I need you to send a resume to me. He gets online and Googles how to write a resume and comes to my website and he sends me over what he had. And I'm like, University president reading this is not going to interview you, brother. <laughs> you know, he, this is not impressive. You don't look good on paper, you know? And so um, I'm, I'm happy to help coaches with this. Guys, I created a, um, you know, a short commercial, but I created a course on CoachTube. It's six hours of on-demand video to help coaches with this. It's $97. Um, you're going to make that investment one time in your life. And, you know, some of these things I've talked about right now are, are a part of that. And I think that, um, you know, I, I don't think you're going to find a better resource out there for coaches on how to build your resume. And um, I put that together because moving into a principalship job here, I just don't have the time anymore to, to help as many guys. So I had to raise my initial, you know, price. And I, I really love being able to help coaches this way. So I thought, Let's put together an on-demand resume course that coaches could use sitting at their home because coaches have got to learn how to put their resumes together if they really do care about, you know, wanting to get that next job. Yep. I got to ask you this. Are you a, do you promote the fact that maybe put a picture of you, maybe you coaching, uh, uh, like a, I don't know, a, profile picture or a picture with your family on your resume? Does that matter, do you think, or is that fluff? So really good question. One of the things I learned two years ago from an HR person at a university was some of the software now that schools are using, because now you're putting your resume online a lot of times, right? You're submitting it online. There are some schools now, I don't know if high schools are doing this. I, I know that ours doesn't, because I asked our people this. Here in California, there's a website called EdJoin, E-D, ed, like education, edjoin.org. And I know they don't use this software yet, but there's some software out there that, that reads pictures because they don't want to be able to have any identifiers of a person's age, gender, uh, religion, any of that stuff on there, race. And so if there is a picture on your resume, they, they decline it. And I thought that I had never heard of that. I thought that was really interesting because they don't want to be able to know that you're, you know, in your case, a white male, um, that's applying for that job. So I thought that was really interesting. So, 
Um, is it a good thing? It could be. It, it could also hurt you. I mean, so I don't necessarily promote it. The resumes I build for coaches, I don't put their picture on there. I don't. I don't know that there's an answer on that though, coach, you know, yeah. one way or the other. I mean, I've just seen both. Gotta... I've seen, so I was helping a guy who's applying for this job in our, in our area. And he said, Hey goes, can you look at it? Sure. And it was, he showed me the cover letter and the, and the cover letter, it had a picture of him and his family. Yeah. Yeah. Then another guy sent me just his resume applying for another job that's at our school. And no picture, no anything. It was just cut dry, you know, words on paper. So yeah. Yeah. I don't say I'll just, you know, you're the, you're the guy that people go to as coaches for, for advice on this. I don't know if you had a preference either way. Yeah. I, I don't have a preference either way. I think, um, one of the, one of the things we're starting to develop with my consulting is an infographic resume because that's become a really big thing. You know, in the education world, which is where we're at as coaching, we're about five to seven years behind the business world with resumes. In the business world now, it's all about the infographic resume. That's where it's not your black and white resume. You know, it's it's a, a timeline, some awards, you know, logos of those companies you worked at. And those do have pictures of the people on there. An infographic resume, no worries at all. A little bit of a concern I have with, you know, your your picture on your regular resume is you never know the biases the readers of these resumes have. Mm. I mean, you, you might have a look, a lot of times the reader of the resume is an HR person at the district. Okay. What if that HR person at the district, and sometimes it's an HR assistant at the district who's minimizing resumes, here's your top most eight qualified people, here you go. Um Again, where I'm at, I'm a principal. I love this HR stuff. I'm going to look at all of them coming in, but that's not how all of them are. You never know what kind of biases those people might have, you know? What if it's a, what if it's some, you know, and I'm just thinking outside the box on this. I, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm stumbling over my words here. I feel like an idiot. Your picture might prevent you from getting in the room for an interview. What if that person reading these resumes at the HR office what if they've just gone through a nasty divorce and the picture on your resume is of your cute little family with you, your wife, your 2.3 kids and your dog. And this lady seeing that picture goes, Ugh, that's last thing I want. She's just in a bad mood because she's gone through this awful family situation. I don't know. So the flip side of that is maybe that person reading those resumes, they want and need a strong family person in that community. And they see that and go, Boom, this is who I want, you know? So that picture could help, help or hurt you, Coach. Right. I don't know. Right. Good answer. I want to go back just a little bit, Coach, for, and I know that you're, you're very valuable in this regard and you're very valuable to our listeners, and uh, definitely your website can help people out if they're applying for jobs this spring, this summer. Um, and the, U, the Coach Tube course, like that's something that $97, if you're looking to get a $50,000 job or an $80,000 job, 97 bucks and you and you're totally lost it's way better than free google so yeah. um i just want to go back very quickly and i appreciate all the examples you had of head coaches maybe going on to other schools or other organizations what's something that you could give our listeners if you're an assistant coach ready to make the move to a head coaching job what could be a difference maker for them on their resume all right great answer so a head coach, an assistant coach wanting to make that first time move. You need to prove on that resume to the principal and the AD, right? That, that you are someone they can trust the program with. And so if it's all about X's and O's, okay, and this is where I'm seeing a lot of mistakes. You know, I'm 44 years old. I consider myself young guys. Um, but when I say younger, like the under 30 crowd, I'm seeing a lot of these coaches now, they think they can be a head coach because they coached for two or three years, right? Mm -hmm. But all they've done is on the field stuff. They've never fundraised. They've never helped monitor uh, GPAs. They've never helped monitor a parent group. And so to make that move, you've got to prove to the administrators that you are trustworthy and that you have experience off the field 
in leading a program. That's I mean I cannot emphasize that enough. And and when I when I when when somebody hires me to help with their resume, what I do is we we format that all in our format, and then we send them back a first round draft with a 25 minute phone call that details how we make resumes great. And on that phone call, one of the things I talk about is off the field contributions matter if you're trying to become a head coach. Okay. And when I'm talking about off the field contributions, again, how have you helped with fundraising off the field? How have you helped with building your program in the community? How have you helped with your program on your campus? Meaning have you started initiatives to help with the GPA? Okay. For instance, I was at a charter school where our student athletes, our GPA, I was just there for two years, but our, our kids were really hurting. Our, our athlete GPA was lower than our school GPA. And in most schools, you'll see that the student athlete GPA is higher. Well, one thing I realized very quickly is we're not helping our student athletes in the classroom. And so we started a tutoring program there, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, one hour after school, before practice started, it was optional tutoring. And we set up, like I found a math teacher, an English teacher, a science teacher. So just volunteer an hour a week to come into this classroom. Okay. And, and that's one of the things I started as the athletic director. Um, and we saw a, our, our GPA increased over a two years time. So that's something you could put on my resume there as the athletic director, we started an optional tutoring program that helped GPAs increase from this to this. That that's really good. Um, and I guess if I was going to interview at a school or an organization, I would find out what their needs were and then try to match uh, that those off the field contributions to what the school is needing. So I think that is great advice. Um, and I guess I never would have thought to put it that way of off the field contributions, because if you're in the coaching business, we all can contribute on the field, right? right. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and again, it's something a lot of coaches think that just my wins and my wins and losses and my record is going to get me that next job. And look, we'd be fools to think that doesn't play a part. Right. <clears throat> but if you've got guys, a couple guys that are pretty close, administrators are going to look, administrators don't want to deal with parents complaining in their office. Administrators don't want to deal with mismanagement of funds. Administrators don't want to deal with GPA issues and kids getting in fights. And so, those things are going to help coaches get into the interview room. And again, I think coaches just don't think about that. You know, they, they, they do a lot of these things off the field. They certainly contribute a lot of ways off the field, but they don't think about how to, how to put that stuff on a resume, you know, in your program, how did your, one of the things I talk to coaches about all the time, how did the participation numbers do in your program? Well, we, we increased participation by 42% in three years. That's, that's pretty impressive to an administrator. You know, that's a thing. Now, did you, as an assistant, did you have a part in that? Yes or no? You know, that that's to be debated, but, but if you did have a part in that, you know, we started maybe as a young coach, you started a, <clears throat> a social media, you know, presence. Well, did that social media presence have an effect on your participation numbers? Or maybe you started some kind of program on campus. You put posters up all over the place to come out and get involved. You know, you recruited the hallways. So, so you recruiting the hallways, how could you put that into a bullet point? You know, I launched a recruiting effort that led to an increase in student athletes by 18%. Boom, done. You've, you've now created a really cool bullet point that maybe you've never even thought of how to quantify and qualify your efforts hmm. off the field. And but I, I think that that's very important for somebody you're talking about making that move from assistant to head is you gotta, you've got to fight like heck to prove, look, if I've got, we just hired a, 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 a head coach at my school in a certain sport. If I've got 10 resumes of guys who have been head coaches I'm probably going to interview one of those guys over somebody who's never been a head coach. Right. However, I also really like giving guys that first shot 
everybody's got to start somewhere. You're probably not going to get that first shot under me. And I'm just speaking as one principle, just because you've rode the coattails of somebody else in a great program. It's going to be that off the field stuff, you know, that off the field contributions you've made are going to what are going to be what gets you in the interview room for me as an assistant moving to head. I think that's really good advice. And so if I'm an assistant coach, which I am and coach Weaver, you are, and I'm looking to make that next move to be a head coach, uh, start building your resume now by looking for ways you can take your program to the next level off the field. So I think that's really powerful. And coach, if I may real quick, a lot of, a lot of young coaches these days, guys, they just, they don't understand that work ethic. They don't, they, 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 they don't understand going down to the field house every Sunday to wash the uniforms and to, you know, back in 2001, you know, I was at a small school. We had 30 kids in our program, 200 kids in the high school, small private high school. <laughs> you know, I was like, my head coach was doing everything. And I said to him, coach Crochelle became a great mentor, great friend of mine. He's actually out in Iowa now up in uh, over in orange city. Um, I was like, coach, what can I do? I'm a single guy. I got nothing at home to go home to. What can I do to take some off your plate? You know, he's like, oh man, can you do the stats for me? Can you do the stats for me? Done. I'll do the stats for you. I'll make sure we get that. I put together a stat crew of four girls. He used to just do the stats by the video on Sundays. You know, we put together a stat crew. We would verify them. But then I contacted all the media on Mondays with those. He was so thankful he didn't have to worry about stats. You know, that's just, that's one little small example of what you can do to take some, take, if there's any assistant coaches here, you want to be valuable, take some work off the plate of your head coaches by just taking a few of those things. And now you can turn those into resume bullet points in the future, you know? And um, I'm just, I'm real passionate about that because I just, I want to see, assistant coaches prepared for the job and there's no way to prepare yourself for the job. If you're just showing up, you know, 10 minutes before, if you just think on the field is enough to get you that, that head coaching job, you're, you're totally wrong. Yep. You got to do work. You got to do work. Yep. And, uh, that's what we're doing right now. Uh, I was telling coach Tori before you came on, we're building a, and no ambitions to be a, a head football coach right now. I uh, love with what I'm doing. However, I just got asked to be the head of a school to run a whole school two weeks ago. Nice. So my thing was, what are we doing as a football program with our core values, et cetera? So we put together, and Coach Tories helped me, we put together a Google Doc with our coaching staff of outlining what patriots, each word, each letter has a word, you know, passion, accountability, trust, and creating this document for our coaches. So you're talking about off the field stuff. If you're an assistant coach and you want to have investment, like you want to have some skin in the game, I guess you could say with your program, start with your culture piece, you know, spark some energy with the culture piece, like anything not dealing with that. I mean, X's and O's is everywhere it's just whoever has the marker last you've heard that whole cliche before is yep. ever, anybody can win in the in the lot in on the dry erase board but i love what you said about off the field and that i think that hits with our listeners that hits with those assistant coaches of don't just think on sunday afternoon how can we scheme this think monday tuesday wednesday thursday what am i doing to build an intentional you know off the field how am i building a relationship with my players how am i building a relationship with other coaches on the athletic staff, whether it be basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever. So I love the fact of the off the field stuff. And, and, and I just think back goes to doing work, like find work, find work to do inside yep. your, inside your staff. Yep. yep. Absolutely. Well, uh, JT coach for, we have taken up uh, about an hour and a half of your time. And that is, we are so thankful, so blessed to get you on, um, for the first episode of 2021. I uh, couldn't think of anybody better when I was going through and I told Coach Torres, I was like, we want heavy hitters. Like we want guys that are intentional in their craft who are, and, and you're the guy for it. So we want to thank you so much for being in the classroom with us today uh, for the first episode of 2021. 
I, I thank you for the opportunity to uh, sit here and talk to you guys today. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Our, our last thing is uh, it's kind of become our tradition for the culture classroom. Anytime anyone comes into the classroom, we have to ask, what's your caring trademark? So John Gordon writes about how different people have different little rituals that they do to let other people know that they care about them. Uh, what would you say your caring trademark is either as a has been coach or a current administrator? You know, I would say just for me, my caring trademark, I think would just be communication, you know, quick communication with people. I know that's one of the things my, my teachers, uh, I sent out a survey to my teachers at the break here asking them how we're doing as a new administrative team. And, uh, you know, I asked them eight or nine questions and that's one of the, my three goals this year as a brand new principal has been to be an effective communicator. So I just asked my teacher how I'm doing with that. Um, I think that communicating quickly with people is very important to show them that you care and that you're there and listening for them. And so I'd say that that would be, you know, something I want to be known for is somebody who communicates quickly and effectively. Well, I have to say, I have to say this, uh, the eight minute video that you did back in October for your, for the second quarter, I watched that and it, it just intrigued me. And it took me right when you said quick communications that eight minutes, uh, normally you think about administrators, they have to have this whole long drawn out 35 minute meeting, but you, you said as a title of an eight minute, uh, yeah, faculty meeting. Hey, we got your stuff. You showed yourself in the gym, had everything set up, ready for the second quarter. If you have any questions, so I will I will agree with you that it is quick communication because as a teacher, as a coach, uh, I've sat through those forty five minute, fifty minutes. <laughs> All right, land the plane. You know, you're like you're like, can you please just land the plane? We understand what you're saying. So the quick communication, the eight minute video, the snapshots, and I think it goes back also to your resume building. It's the wow factor. It's the it's, you know, the, the 45 seconds to a minute, how can you grab my attention? So that goes right along with your resume building as well. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think your caring trademark is super valuable because there's nothing that will erode an organization's culture quicker than bad or no communication. Oh, without a doubt. No, no doubt about that. Thanks guys. I, again, appreciate the time. And if there's any listeners who, uh, who do want to reach out, just, you know, I, I do free, consultations on resumes every single day you can email that over to me chris at chris chris at eight laces e-i-g-h-t l-a-c-e-s dot org I, I give honest feedback all the time and i i'd appreciate helping any listeners who uh who have that need really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise that's an area that i just i've been lucky i've kept the same job for a long time and haven't needed a new resume yeah, no, and, and and that's that's good, man. That's 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 good for you, coach, and good luck keeping that job. There's nothing better than a job you love and working in a place you love, and that, that's a great thing. All right, happy New Year to you, coach. All right, happy New Year, guys. Thank you very much. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate your time.